Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Good morning. Hey. (laughs) How many of you have seen uh, Charlie Brown Christmas? Yeah? You got Linus out there with the blanket? And and, uh, probably heard that that narrative, that Luke chapter 2 narrative, uh, 30, 40, 50 times in my life. But what I want to invite you to this morning is to just take a moment and try to hear it in a fresh way. I want you to, to just maybe pretend you haven't heard it before and really think through some of the details of what's going on there. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to kind of interject some thoughts as I read through that little passage in Luke chapter 2, starting verse 8. It says, That night... There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, night, it's cold. Uh, Historically, we suspect this is most likely springtime. I know we always celebrate Christmas in December, but uh, probably not the middle of December. It's probably sometime early spring, but still, it's chilly outside. They're kind of cold. We're talking about shepherds. Now, when we think of shepherds, because of Christianity, we think frequently of a lamb and a a halo and maybe somebody doing this and they're holding, and it's the good shepherd, right? And you got like shepherd, and maybe there's a a shepherd's crook or, you know, and it's very holy and it's very serene, and I must be talking quietly because they're turning me up. I'll I'll talk a little louder, so uh, try not to clip this out here, but you've got that that quiet sheep shepherd image in your mind, but I want you to kind of rethink this for a second. Shepherds were dirty. They were gross. And they weren't really well liked. Community did not really like shepherds. Several reasons. One of them is very basic. They stank, guys. I mean, they, they really would hold sheep. And sheep stink. Have anybody been to a farm with sheep and goats? It's disgusting. It's gross. Yuck. And these guys lived with the sheep. You have to live with the sheep. You're out there in the fields. You're literally laying in the field with a bunch of sheep. You're going to smell like sheep, and it's not cool. So you'd go into town, and people like, shepherds are here. Ugh. Well, this kind of contempt for the stinkiness of shepherds uh, led to kind of a stinky way that most of them lived. They were pretty well known for being um, not great about personal property when they were in town. Uh, had really poor boundaries. And so you've got shepherds staying in the fields nearby. Everyone's kind of locking their doors and windows. We're not sure what might go missing tonight. The shepherds are nearby. And they're guarding their flocks of sheep. And these stinky, dirty, gross kind of shepherds are there. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Now, if you were a dirty, kind of scoundrelish shepherd, how would you feel about an angel of the Lord showing up? Are you like, oh, here it is, that moment I've seen in, in the movies a hundred times. Oh, I'm so excited, it's an angel. Yeah, I've always wanted to see an angel. In reality, you're probably terrified Because if an angel's showing up from God who sees all those things you stole and kind of knows what's going on inside of your soul, 
you're afraid that you're about to die. The angel of the Lord has come, and you're expecting the next thing to be the swift sword. You've read about the angels of the prophets when the angel shows up <laughs> for the prophets in the Old Testament. Not cool. And they had all those writings. They knew what happened. Uh, the angel of the Lord came, and uh, 138,000 people died in the camp that day. Holy smokes. You're like, oh, great, it's an angel. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> and so it's logical that the next thing we read, after the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, that they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Good news was the last thing these men expected. The, la the very last thing that these men would have expected was good news that will bring great joy to all people. And you can imagine there's just confusion probably at that point. That's what I imagine. That they're, wait, not here to die, not here to kill us, but to bring good news to us about great joy, not just for us, but for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now they're really confused. Bethlehem? Really? Bethlehem? I don't know if you guys have ever heard, but Bethlehem still is like not a big deal. Like, <laughs> even today, we know Jesus was born there. You go to Bethlehem today, it's kind of like, all right, we saw that. Okay. It's kept on going. It's kind of like Pocatello, you know? <laughs> It's not really much to look at, right? <laughs> okay, I guess it's a city. Like, could you imagine Christ the Lord is born in Pocatello this day? And you're just like, really? Okay. And so here's this announcement from heaven. And, and just shock and confusion and what, what's going on? And they go and they look. And they see. And here the sign is given to them. It's going to be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. A manger. They know about mangers. That's where sheep go and eat. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you put a baby in a manger? Weird. Confusion. They go and they look, though, and there it is. Just like the angel told them, here's this baby laying in a manger, and now they've seen angels, and they've heard, <laughs> heard this message, and... They've got this, this, this assurance that good news is coming that will bring great joy to all people. And they go and they have confirmation. They see that it's real. And they're kind of blown away because a baby that lays in a manger where sheep eat is going to smell a bit like sheep, just like they do. And there's something, something I don't know that, that, it's hard to communicate that feeling of, God could never be with me. We think we've all felt that before, though. God could never be with me. But then the, the message is that this, this baby you find is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God himself is somehow encapsulated inside of the person of this baby in this manger, and, and he smells like I do. And he 
He looks like a man like I do. And he's frail and he's looks like he could be easily broken, just like I've been easily broken. And suddenly there's, as we've spoken of in the last few weeks, there's, there's hope in a place where maybe there wasn't hope before. That maybe, maybe now it's real. Maybe, maybe God is going to be able to be with mankind again. And this is, this is really, I, this, is, this is really the problem of humanity for the last, you know, ever. Since Adam was in the garden. Uh, started out pretty good. We're walking with God in the cool of the day. We're in his presence. We're with him. But now we have a problem. We're separated from him because of sin, right? Adam bombed out. Everybody heard of the Adam bomb? <laughs> Sorry. Don't, yeah, thumbs down. That's appropriate. That's bad. I, it's not even my joke. I stole it from somebody else. And it's just, why do I do that? That's not good. He, he blew it. And now there's separation from God. But, but God used to walk with man in the garden every day when it was cool. And it was cool. I'm sure it was pretty cool to walk with God. And he walked with him and he talked with him. And then when sin enters in, now he can't walk and talk with him. Now he's separated from him. And that problem has been the problem because we were made to be in the presence of God. I was made to be in the presence of God. But now God has come and he's laying in a manger, the person of Jesus Christ. Our God has a pretty great sense of humor. I'm not a naturally particularly happy or joyful person. I don't wake up every day and say, what a great day to be alive. I'm so happy that I'm here and let's get this going, you know. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I mean, this is in my notes, but I was thinking about this. Everybody, have a, everybody has like a favorite book of the Bible, right? Raise your hand if you have a favorite book of the Bible. Everybody, okay, uh, let's, just, let's just share. I'll share first. Mine is John. I love the gospel of John. I get it. John makes a lot of sense to me. Somebody else, shout out your favorite book of the Bible. What's your favorite book of the Bible? What's that? Genesis, a great book of the Bible. Somebody else. Romans, what's that? Romans, lots of Romans all at once. Acts, okay, I heard you, Acts. It's pretty. What's that, the Psalms? That was, I think, Jesus' favorite book. He quoted that book more than any other book in the New Testament. What, what else? Anybody else? Ephesians, a great, a fine book. Okay, now I'm going to make a confession. I, I am a wicked man, and I have a book that I do not like in the Bible. Anybody have a book that they don't like in the Bible? Now, some people, some people are like, I, this is true. Some people get to like numbers, and they're just like, skip forward, skip forward, right? I get numbers. I love numbers. Guys, I'm a freak of nature. I love the book of numbers, okay? I get in there, I'm like, oh, this is so rad. Look at these genealogies. This is so cool. And they begot him, and he begot him, and yes, that's cool, right? Uh, some people get to Leviticus, and they're like, oh, my gosh, so many rules. And I'm like, the law. Bring, I'm all about that law of life, bro. Bring that law of life on. I'm all about it. Okay, this is, this is true confession time. I don't get the Song of Solomon. 
It just bugs me that it's in the Bible. I don't get it. I don't get it. People are, oh my gosh, and your teeth are like flocks of goats. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? What is this doing in the rest of the canon of Scripture? I don't get it. And I think I don't get it because it's kind of about joy from relationship, right? It's about joy from relationship. Oh, my beloved, come away with me, and we will go, and we'll frolic in the fields like the deers or the gazelles. And I'm like, you got to be, what is even happening? But let me tell you what I think I'm coming to discover and why it's in there. It's supposed to be in there because that's supposed to be the nature of our relationship and our heart when we're in the presence and the fellowship with Jesus Christ. It's kind of sunshines and daisies and roses in a little bit, like in that butterfly, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so in love with you kind of way, right? Oh, I just met, oh, I'm going to get to, I remember when I was falling in love with Carrie at Bible college. Guys, I'm not an early riser. I don't get up before, but at that time, like noon was a miracle, right? I was like, the glory of God had fallen upon me. I was up by noon. I'm like, oh, he must want to meet with me early in the day. (laughs) Carrie started work at 4.30 in this bakery at, at at our college. And I would get up before she would get at to work. This, I mean, we're talking like 3.30. And I would get a.m. And I would get to, to, and I'd leave a note for her on the place where she's going to come to work. I'm not trying to brag. That's miraculous. That's the, that's, but that's what love looks like. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm excited for you. I'm passionate about you. I'm filled with joy to be in your presence, to know you, to know who you are as a person. And that's what God wants us to know about him. We, we don't understand joy anymore. I think our culture, we've conflated and confused a lot of things. We think about joy like Disneyland is joy. Disneyland is not joy. This, no, no. Repent, you sinners. Repent, you sinners. Disneyland is not joy, okay? Repent. Come out. Come out. No, listen. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Disneyland is two hours of line. To stand in, in, in your, and for 30 seconds of, oh, and get shook around, and you spent $5,000 to get in there? You gotta be kidding me. That's not joy. That's not joy. Repent. I'm gonna talk to this side of the room. These are my people over here. I know you're over here. You're over here. Okay. It's not the joy of the Lord. That's not what joy looks like. It might be happiness. It might be happiness, but this is, a true, this is a true story. The first three times I went to Disneyland as a child, every single time I left that place, I left there crying and bawling like a little girl, because I, like a little baby boy, not a girl. I'm sorry, that was not fair. Like a baby, not a girl. Like a baby because of something that had happened, something I was looking forward to, and I was disappointed. I left disillusioned to, from Disneyland, and maybe that's just me. But listen, the reality is, it is, thank you, Chris. I'm glad you guys are all paying attention this morning. This is, this is working out well. Disneyland isn't, isn't joy. Maybe you can have some fun and some happiness there, but that's not joy. It's there for a day, and then you go home, and you're like, oh, now i got to go work for eight months to pay back that credit card, right? I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work to try to make that happy for yourself. We, we, we don't even understand what joy is. And I think within Christendom, it's gotten even worse because there's some kind of like, elevation of pious, you know, sobriety. And it's like, we must be sober-minded. And it's like, I don't think that means what you think it means. Because Jesus was so full of mirth and so active in joy in his life that people thought he was a wine-bibber and a glutton. Anybody remember that? He was the party guy. 
He's at every single wedding. He's like, hey, this is a great time. I love marriage. I made up marriage. Let's celebrate it right now. And he's having a great time, and he's having, but he's the party guy. And he never really denies, I noticed, I don't think he ever denies, I have not found a place where he denies wine bibber and a glutton. He's, I don't think he was like a glutton in the sinful sense of the word, but he was not afraid to go and have a good time and to enjoy himself and to enjoy the, the, the good things that God had allowed, that the Father had allowed for that day that he was in. So what is joy? I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you all about it. When I looked up the biblical use of joy, these are some of the words I found. Are you ready for this? Mirth. It's a word we use a lot. Excuse me. Word we use a lot, mirth, right? Everyday conversation. It means amusement, especially as in laughter. What we just did right now, where we had a good time talking about Disneyland and how terrible it is, that laughter, that's mirth. That was joy. That was a little bit, of, just a sliver of joy right there. I tricked you into having a little joy this morning. You're welcome. It's also used in the way of gladness, a feeling or a state of well-being and contentment. How about that? Anybody feel like they want to be content and happy where they're at and not feel like they need the next thing and to move on to the next thing? That sense of contentment, that state of well-being, that gladness, that's, that's a biblical usage of joy. How about this one? Gaiety, lightheartedness, being cheerful. Hey, just actually, meh, a little Christmas cheer, except it's all year long, Right? Pleasure. We don't often do this. We don't often associate God with pleasure. Pleasure seems to be reserved for, if I'm having a good time, if I'm enjoying it, it must be something wrong and simple for me, right? I don't, maybe that's just me. Maybe, now, some of you don't have that struggle. That's not everyone's struggle, but that's my struggle. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm having a good time. I must be being selfish in some way. Oh, I better repent of the, whatever this thing is and go and... <laughs> but let me, let me read to you something that a shepherd a, shepherd's, uh, a few thousand years before the shepherds of our story, there's a shepherd in the field, and he was writing a love song, composing a love song to the creator of the universe. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. Fullness, that word fullness, from the Hebrew word. You didn't think you'd get away without hearing some Hebrew tonight. But the Hebrew word sovah, and it means abundance, to be satisfied, to have one's fill of, to be overflowing with, fullness. So let me read this to you again in another way uh, so we really understand this. In his presence is abundance of amusement and laughter. In his presence we are overflowing with lighthearted cheerfulness. In his presence, we are satisfied with a feeling of contentment and well-being. In his presence, we are overflowing with pleasure. That sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? I mean, isn't that what we're kind of all chasing after? We've got the rat race going on, and we're, we've got a billboard here that says, oh, you can be content if you grab onto this, or oh, you can have pleasure if you go to Disneyland, or you can go, <laughs> it's a lie, it's not true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rebuked later. It's okay. But we want to feel good about our life. We want to feel good about our existence. And God is not against us feeling good about our life and our existence. Here's the answer. Here's the trick. Here's the secret, 
the secret sauce. You guys are going to whisper, lean in. The presence of God. The presence of God. And that's the problem. That's the problem. You have shepherds in a field, and they don't have the presence of God because man is separated from God by sin. There's, there's literally nothing that man could do. They were given the law. Hey, if you live this, if you live by the law, or if you do the law, you can live by it. Like, yeah, good luck with that. No one can live the law. No one is able to do that. Back at the very beginning of the story, we talked about it, the Garden of Eden, Adam blows up. The whole world, everyone is doomed to failure because of the sin of Adam. Nobody has a chance. And because nobody has a chance to be good, nobody can walk in the presence of God. There's a little phrase at the end of Genesis 4 and verse 26 that I think is maybe the saddest verse in the Bible. It says, in those days, after Eve had Seth as her son, it says, in those days, I'm quoting this, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, in, in our context, we think of calling on the name of the Lord as a good thing, and it is. We need to call on the name of the Lord. But what's tragic about this little phrase is that they needed to call on the name of the Lord. They used to walk in the garden with him every day. There was no calling on the name of the Lord. It was like, hey, how you doing, Lord? Here you are. But now they're crying out, and they're calling out, well, Lord, we need you. God, we need you. Where are you, Lord? We need you here. And they never used to have to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, it's our great privilege now in Christ Jesus to call upon the name of the Lord. I don't want to sound like I'm speaking bad about calling on the name of the Lord, but there's a, a sort of a sense of tragedy about that. that they, there's a need. We have to call on the name of the Lord. We used to just be in his presence continually. God is holy and in ways that we don't even really understand. God, it's not that God doesn't desire to be with us. It's not that God was like, well, you messed up, so I'm going, to be, I'm going to push you away. But we need to understand that God is so holy that he literally can't abide in the presence of something that is not holy any longer. And that's the problem. This is the problem that man has. Polluted by sin, we want the presence of God. We were created for the presence of God. We need the presence of God. We can't have the presence of God because it's impossible. Impossible for a holy God to be in the presence of sinful man. And so humanity has remained separated for 4,000 years, from Adam to Abraham, from Abraham to Moses, from Moses to David, and from David to finally a handful of shepherds up on a hill. And, and that's why this is such a big deal. I mean, this is Mark shared with us before the, the service this morning what he's sharing with the kids, and they're probably getting a better message than you guys are in here. It's fantastic. Check this out. This is the biggest news that's ever happened since the creation of the world. This is the biggest news. We had some announcements this morning, right? No, they're just announcements. We're going to have church this week. We're not having church that week. We're going to have these things going on. It's just announcements. This is the announcement to end all announcements, guys. In Bethlehem, the Pocatello of Israel, there is in a manger, God has come to mankind. The presence of God that has been separated for 4,000 plus years has now come back to mankind. God is with us again. And only now 
Only when God himself comes in person, in the person of Jesus, can there be joy. And not just for Mary, not just for, Jesus, uh, for Joseph, not just for the shepherds, but for all of humanity in Christ Jesus. And we, we sing the songs every year, but I think we sometimes forget the importance of it. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. The key to joy, the presence of God. Now God has come and he is with us. The angels are saying that God has come to the earth. The Messiah has come to deal with the sin that has separated God and man. To allow fellowship in the presence of God once more. I want to share with you maybe the hardest thing for me to understand and to grasp and to really get into my heart. Is that this isn't just something for the future or after for beyond, for when I, when I've passed, when I've shed this mortal coil, as they say poetically, and I've died, and then I can be with Jesus. This presence of Christ is available right now. You know, Trey was sharing this morning uh, in our group time beforehand about waiting, and what are we waiting for? And what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for uh, Christmas? Are we waiting for the next thing that's coming along? Or are we, are we waiting for Christ in our lives? And I think that that is a thing that I, I've waited for, but not realizing that it's available to me <laughs> right now. Let me read to you uh, Colossians 1, verse 19. It says, For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth through means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into, and we're talking about right now, he has brought you into his presence, and you are holy, and you are blameless as you stand before him without one single fault. The presence of God that produces this fullness of joy that we're speaking of remains with us right now. Every hindrance, every barrier broken down, all that remains now is for us to choose to be with him. It's like God has opened up this giant spigot of water, right? And it's just pouring out. It's like the shower's on at full blast, and it's a nice, balmy 68 degrees. It's ready for us, right? All we have to do is get into the flow of his blessing. Get into the flow of his presence. Stand under the shower of his grace and just walk with him. Remain close to him. And why don't we? My goodness, right? I think there's a lot of reasons why we might not. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we don't recognize. Maybe, I, I know for me, it's mostly amnesia. I just forget. I'm forgetful. Oh yeah, he forgave me of all my sins and I can go anytime. I, that's right. It's open. The door's open. The, the spigot's full blast. I can go anytime. Sometimes I'm lazy. Sometimes I'm just like, ah, whatever. It's stupid. It's foolishness. Sometimes we just feel like there's a barrier. And that's just a feeling, that's a falsehood, that's a lie from the enemy. He wants you to do anything except meet with the Lord today, right? 
He wants you to um, die. <laughs> he wants you to fail. He wants you to be miserable. He does not want you to have joy. And so he's going to, oh, you can't go to God. You're not good enough today. What? How long has it been since you've read your Bible? How long has it been since you've spent prayer time? You haven't fasted in 10 years. How can you possibly go and spend time in the presence of God? And the spigot's on full blast. And God says, come in, come in, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <clears throat> the tabernacle was built in such a way that you entered in very directionally in the Old Testament. Moses builds this tabernacle. There's an outer court. Anyone can come to the outer court, right? Anyone can come to the outer court, and you can watch and see what's happening. You can see the sacrifices, even Gentiles, right? But only, only the, um, the nation of Israel was allowed to go into the next area to come into that second step, okay? So then you're there, you're at the altar, you can do all those things as the nation of Israel, but only, only the tribe of Levi could go into the holy place where the service was happening, where, you know, the, the lamp was being trimmed and all the showbread was at and all the, the, the work was being done of the tabernacle, right? Only Levites could enter into there. But only one person from the whole household, or from the, from the tribe of Levi, that person who was called to be the high priest that year, was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. And there was this giant veil. You've heard about it before. It's that veil that was torn when Christ died, right? So we, we have this whole thing, and there's all these barriers on the way. There's barrier after barrier into entering into the holy place where God's presence lies. But I, in, in Exodus... 33, there's an interesting story where God says, I'm not going to dwell in the camp anymore because I don't want to destroy you. I'm not going to dwell inside the camp because your sins will cause you to be just destroyed by my presence. So I'm going to leave. I'm not going to be in the camp anymore. So Moses, this is, most people don't think about this. Exodus is a great book. You should read it. He grabs a, a tent, his own tent, and he takes it outside of the camp. He says, God, if you're not in the camp, I'll be out here with you. And he sets up the camp and he calls it the, the tabernacle of meeting, the tent of meeting. This is not the tabernacle with all the barriers. This is just a tent where you can go and you can talk to God. And he goes there and he talks to God face to face like a man talks to another man. Like I'm talking to my buddy David right here. Hi, David. And he's talking to him. And, jo and Joshua goes with him and he goes in and, and he, they just hang out with God. And there's no, I've not found anything written anywhere that anyone could not come to that tent. It says whenever Moses would go to the tent, everyone would come to the door of their tent and watch him go. There he goes. Oh, he's meeting with God again. This is exciting. And they would wait at the door of their tent, and they would not go down and meet with God themselves. Pfft, what? <laughs> Mind-blowing. Blows my mind when I think about it. But I'm the same way. I'll watch God, somebody meeting with God and be like, wow, that's so cool. God, man, God's really moving in that place over there. And I'm like, all oh, right, I'm like, yeah, I'm checking my Netflix right now and see what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, I just, you check out, you just, <clears throat> we think it's not for us. We think it's not for us. But God is inviting each and every one of us. Come into my tent of meeting. Come and abide with me. It says that Joshua, who met with Mo, you know, Moses' right-hand guy, he goes in there and says, he, even when Moses had business to go to, Joshua just stayed in the tent. He just kept hanging out in the presence of God. 
I just want to invite you on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ who has commissioned me and allowed me by his grace to come and to speak from this place this morning to invite you personally to come into his presence and to meet with him. He is eager to meet with you. He loves you so much. I don't know if you know this or not. This just shouldn't have been a surprise to me, but this was surprising to me. That God is excited to meet with you. He's excited to meet with you. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before him as he's facing the cross, as he's about to go and he's about to die <clears throat> for the sins of humanity, and he's about to be separated for the first time, the father from the son, that relationship that they've had for the endless ages of eternity, never separated by anything. Now he's going to take sin upon himself on the, on the place of the cross, take my place that I should have had to bear on the cross, and he's going to own my sin that I should have paid for. He's going to own your sin that you should have paid for, and he's going to take all of that. And he did it. He despised that shame, but he did it because of the joy that was set before him. And that joy is me coming and meeting with him. Me being able to be in his presence. You being able to be in his presence. He loves you. He rejoices in you. He has joy in being with you in fellowship and in communion. <clears throat> and at that time together, again, I'll say it. He's inviting you to come into his presence daily, to remain in his presence continually, to abide in his love, to remain with him. It's going to be joy the fullness of joy for you, and it's going to be great joy for him to come and to be in his presence. And Father God, that is my prayer that I would like to end with right now, Lord, that you would just help us to remember that that faucet's always on at full blast, that you rejoice to be with us, and Lord, that we would come into your presence willingly and gladly, and take advantage of that time with you, Lord. Lord, you have said it again and again throughout your word that your desire is for us to have that fullness of joy. And so, Lord, I pray over each person in this room, anyone who can hear my voice, Lord, that they would have the fullness of joy walking and abiding in your presence. I pray that you would just make this the top priority of our hearts, the top priority of our lives, that we would cast aside every weight, anything that would hinder us, anything in our minds that we put up as a barrier to entry. Lord, you have removed all of the barriers. You have torn the veil from top to bottom. Nothing can hinder us from coming into your presence any longer. So please, Lord, help us to walk and to abide with you in your presence. And Lord, may our joy be full. Thank you for sending your son. Lord, thank you for sending your son to come to this dark place where we live and to bring light 
and to bring joy and to bring gladness and to bring pleasure and abundance of joy. Lord, we love you. We thank you for that. We look forward to seeing you again. Lord, we look forward to your second coming. When you come and you take us forever to be with you, not in part, not through a glass dimly, but Lord, face to face, forever and ever. Help us to abide now. We look forward to that. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.